Hey everyone, Josh Feldman here, your host of the One Day or Day One podcast. The podcast where we interview individuals about their life transformation. We'll talk about where they were, where they've gone, and what it looked like along the journey. We appreciate you joining us, and we hope you enjoyed today's episode. So that was a lot of really good information about your, you know, your one day and soon to be whenever that day one yep. stops getting pushed back, right? Day one, it'll happen. You're going to be on that trip, on that journey. But I want to also talk about, um, so you, you mentioned earlier that you like to hike. Yeah. And um, I, I found this as, as an interesting story that you shared with me a long time ago, but you actually went on a really long hiking trip. Um I don't even know how to start the question here. I'm, I'm, you know what I'm talking about. So where, where were you hiking? How long was it? And, and what happened? Cause there was a pretty dramatic end to that. Right. Yeah. Uh, dramatic, um, middle beginning. <laughs> yeah. Middle. Right. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, in 2017, I through hiked the whole Appalachian trail, which goes from, uh, Georgia to Maine or Maine to Georgia, depending on the direction you hike. And it's at, the time I hiked it was 2,189.5 miles. 2,000. Yep. Once, say that again. 2,000. 2,189.5 was the official trail length when I hiked it. So how many miles would you have to average it a day to like get that done? What's your time frame? How, how long are you hoping for this to take? When I tackled it, my goal was completion and enjoyment. It had nothing to do with the time it take. My... my um, yeah, but if you if you don't have like enough going, like it's gonna take you like twenty years. Yeah, that's that's fair, <laughs> right? So, I mean, so you had most, to have had some sort of a daily goal, right? In I don't, plus or minus five months. Okay. And so, if you're starting in the north, you can't start until it opens. If you want to start on the mountain, and if you're starting in the south, you have to make it to the north before it closes. Gotcha. So, typically speaking, if you're um, a southbounder, or they call it Sobo, you start. Um, late May, early June, okay. when the mountain opens, and then you hike your way south, and you kind of have an open end in that direction because there's not nothing down there closes okay. unless the conditions are super terrible and they close it for safety reasons. Sure. They don't care if you're hiking the snow down there. It's fine. And okay. by the time you get down to Georgia, there's not really much snow. Right. True. I say that, but when I went through, it was really snowy. Oh, really? <laughs> so <laughs> when, did you, when did you go? So it was in 2017, but where, like, when did you start? Where did you start? Yep. So I, I started in... Maine. So I went okay. southbound and I started at the beginning of June. So I think okay. my summit date for the official start was June 4. Okay. And that, that's pretty typical for going southbound. You can start a little before that if the mountain opens. Um, and you can start, you know, up to a month or two later, depending on how late in the year you want to hike. Right. And then if you're hiking northbound, um, usually people will start in February or March. Give it to you. So pretty early. Mm-hmm. Um, and then it can be kind of snowy. If you're starting, uh, I would say, actually, I'd say late February to early April. Um, April is probably a little more common because it's a little bit nicer mm-hmm. and it gets to be, um, really crowded down there though. Yeah, I'm sure. So this is a, a literally it's a continuous trail though. Yep. It's like, one continuous trail. The like whole way. You don't so have to was, like hop over and go a mile over to get to it's It's literally continuous. It's, it's one continuous trail the whole way. It was set up, I think like in the sixties or okay. the fifties, something like that. I mean, that's, you know, like 2000 miles. That's it was the forties. Uh, somewhere in there between yeah. the forties and sixties. I don't remember exactly. Um, if you ask me 
five years ago I could have told you, but <laughs> right, yeah, no, that's okay. Time, time. Uh, yeah. But yeah, it's it's a it's a single contiguous trail, um, the entire direction. I mean, there's a couple small sections that do follow a little bit of road walking, mm -hmm. um, but generally speaking, if that's the case, it's just a diversion because they're working on the trail. Gotcha. Um, but otherwise, it is a single walking trail the whole way. Okay. So now you chose to do this alone, or did you hike it with somebody? Yeah. So I I talked to a couple of friends about um, potentially doing it with somebody. And I got one friend to start the trail with me. Okay. And so uh, my dad and I and he and his dad all drove to Maine um, together. And we, we took a week with, with a lot of us and, and drove out there and spent some time just exploring Baxter State Park in Maine, which is a beautiful area. Sure. A lot of really cool nature out there. And so we, we went together as a group of the four of us and spent a few days just exploring the park and then um, summited on the 4th and then my friend uh, Nate and I hiked for about a week together and mm -hmm. our dads went home after we summited. Okay. Um, they were kind of driving us out, dropping us off and then heading back. Yep. And then yeah, he hiked with me for about a week and then went home and then after that I was on my own. Okay. So for the most of it, uh, and I say on my own, I mean you meet people on trail and become friends. Right. Because you're going the same direction as a lot of people. Yeah. And so you'll you'll pass people during the day, or you'll see people in camp. You know this, same right? Because there's only like repeating. you have like a few camp. They're designated campsites, right? Because they've got like food, storage containers and stuff, right? For... To to some extent, um, designated is kind of a loose term. Okay. There are often um, designated shelters. They're called Adir like an Adirondack shelter. It's a three sided um, lean to kind of with a, a raised floor. It's usually wooden, mm -hmm. and um, those are positioned, I don't know, every eight to 12 miles along large sections of the trail. Some spots, there's not so many of them. Yep. Um, but for most of the AT corridor, you can also just camp wherever if you want to. Um, so, but for the most part, people stick to where the shelters are because the, the ground's right. already cleared out around them. People are used to camp in there, et cetera. Yeah. And then in places where there's high bear activity, they'll have bear boxes, which is basically That's, a, a big metal box yeah. with a hard to unlatch tamper proof bear proof latch so don't yep. get into it otherwise and that's what i was used to so because i went up to pictured rocks over yep. in oh chapel mosquito falls chapel point is it chapel something like that yeah chapel rock Whatever. yeah there, there's Doesn't a matter. there's a chapel it's, rock yeah chapel rock chapel points the church I go yeah. to. <laughs> anyway good plug for them right um anyway so yeah they have the bear boxes there yep. and in terms of camping it's yeah i mean it's basically just a spot that's yep. cleared out and but so what do you do for food like i you know i went hiking and i brought like pop tarts and yep. <laughs> you know what i mean like i <laughs> what, what you didn't go like there's not a gas station along the way or anything, is there? Like, how do you, what do you I do mean, for some, food? Sometimes there is. Um, the nice thing about the Appalachian Trail is it's, it's very secluded in and of itself for the most part. It follows a very green corridor all the way along the whole section. Um, like in that portion of the country, it manages to snake through a lot of primarily green. Um, there's a couple places where it doesn't manage to do that. Um, yeah. Like in New York, it actually goes through a zoo at one point. Oh, really? Yeah, believe it or not, it's kind of crazy. Wow. Wait, it goes through New York? Yeah. God, yep. I, need to get, I need to get better with my geography. Yeah. So I think Because you goes, started at Maine? It goes through 13 states. 
13 states. Well, I mean, it is 2,000 miles. So. Yeah. Okay. Like, literally, I drive down to Florida, and it's like 1,200 miles. <laughs> you're doubling that, and you're walking. Yeah. That's like me walking to Florida in the back. It's no it's way. Oh, man, that's crazy. So, so how far did you make it? I made it the whole way. You did make the it the whole way. Yep. Okay. So uh, to, to hit your point on food, though, um, obviously you start out with whatever you're going to when you're at um, Mount Katahdin in Baxter. You have to pack food for that and then for the next yep. section of hike because the, the first section of trail after Baxter State Park is the 100-mile wilderness. Hmm. And so it's, it's just a section of trail that's 100 miles long where there is... With the exception of one um, hostel that you have to take a boat to get to, um, there's no civilization in that section. Okay. And so it's it's a huge swath of trail that you just have to prepare for ahead of time. And usually, if you're a new hiker and hiking kind of slow, you, you pack eight or ten days worth of food just in case you kind of slow to mm-hmm. get through that. And you and you got to preserve it too. Like you're not eating a lot. I mean, you're still eating a lot because are you you're hiking? Yeah, you're you're burning. Well, I mean, 5,000 calories a day. Right, but how, what? I'm just trying to think, okay? <laughs> Bear with me. All right. I, I've, the 10 miles, 12 miles I hiked, my feet hurt and I was ready to be done for like the rest of the year. Yeah. Okay. And you did, you're talking just a 100 mile strip of the woods. Like, how much room do you have to pack? Like, how big is your backpack if you're packing for eight days and you're eating a lot? I think when I, Started out and was doing the hundred mile wilderness. I want to say my pack was forty five pounds. Oh, something man. like that, and nice. probably half of that, or at least a third of it was food and water. Right, because you got your tent too, yeah. right? Yeah. So carrying tent, you got um, generally like two sets of clothes. You got a set of clothes to hike in, and you got camp slash sleeping clothes. Um, and then you what do you do to wash your clothes? Do you not wash them? You just let them. You just wash them when you get to town. So you, you wear okay. the same clothes. So for, you're going to go through long. some towns then. Oh, yeah. So that, okay. that's, See, that's, and that's where that I, I think, think I was like, you're going to be traveling for five months. What are you doing? Like killing a wild hog on the <laughs> way down? or like? <laughs> yeah. So I would say for most of the trail, with the exception of the 100 mile wilderness, um, every three to five days, you're crossing um, some sort of main road into a town. Okay. So then you just get to stand on the side road and stick your thumb out and somebody will hopefully pick you up and bring you to town. Okay. Gotcha. Or um, there's along the trail, there's a lot of hostels, um, just houses where hikers, you know, can rent a room or a, a, just a bed in the bunk room okay. uh, to stay at, take a shower, refuel. And so a lot of those ones will come pick hikers up at the trail, take them to the hostel or they'll do grocery runs and take you out if you have to. Okay. Um, but a lot of, for the most part, if you're, if you're going into town just to resupply, you just hitchhike your way in, go shop it. Um, our hiker's favorite places. Family right. Dollar, Dollar Tree. Right. Or not, yeah. not Dollar Tree. Um, uh, Family Dollar General. General. Dollar General. There you go. Yeah, Dollar General is, yeah. is the king. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> the trail. Yeah. As far as food, uh, just because they're everywhere. And they've right. got pretty much everything you need um, to fill a hiker's bag up. So you eat, you eat a lot of pasta and um, tuna. Carbs. Yep. Gives you the energy. Yeah. And a lot, of, a lot of granola bars, power bars. Um, honestly, by the, by the time you're halfway through the trail, the weight you're carrying doesn't really bother you. Um for the most part. Oh, so it's only the first thousand miles. Yeah, you know, that it's, it's a big deal. Oh, yeah. Well. What, once, once you get used to it, it's <laughs> it's not so bothersome and you start carrying more weird and random foods. Right. Um, and eventually... You, well, your legs are getting stronger too. Your legs right? get stronger so. and you're, yeah, you're used to it. You're into a rhythm. Um, it's just your Muscle day-to-day memory. thing. 
Yeah. And you get sick of eating the same food every day, so you start making weird combinations. I think, um, I don't know, one of the weirder things I made was a peanut butter and bacon biscuit. Peanut butter? Just because I had leftover stuff. Uh, we, we made biscuits one time when we were uh, in town at one of the hostels, and then I had some leftover bacon from a breakfast, too, and just, so just lathered some peanut some butter on it, stuck a strip right on top. It's actually pretty good. Yeah, well. But, uh, yeah, you just you start making weird combinations of whatever leftover food is in your backpack when you get close to the you know end of your section right. looking to get into town the next time. Yeah. Huh. And just to break up the flavor. You could have just eaten, you know, them yeah. separate as, yeah. but, you know, yeah. hey, you only live once, right? Variety of life, you know. <laughs> there, there you go. Eat some spice. <laughs> so you made it through the whole 2,185 miles, correct? Yeah. Yep. But was it all in one full swoop? Uh, it was not. Okay. So the, and, that's, and that's what we there. need to talk about. Yep. I, I made it through all of Maine. And then ended up having to go to the hospital. How far, how, how long have you been in at this point? Almost exactly a month. Okay. Yep. So, so you're not too far into it yet. Not super far. Uh, one state, one month. Okay. And um, yeah, it, 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 was, it was a weird process. Um, my whole goal of hiking the trail was to have the accomplishment and say that I hiked the trail mm-hmm. and it, it sounded like a lot of fun and it looked really cool. And I, at that point I, I wanted nothing more than to be able to hike the whole trail, to enjoy the whole thing and to say, I hiked the whole trail. Yeah. And so short of how many people can say that. Yeah. So yeah, roughly, I think I was just looking at the numbers recently and it's like, I don't know, out of the, 2,000 people that start the trail every year, maybe 100 finish. Oh, wow. And that was 2000. I just, just looking at it recently, I think that was 2019's numbers. Hmm. Um, and then, and that's starting going northbound. So you get 2,000 people starting in Georgia going towards Maine. Right. And then going the other way, which is what you did, which is what I did, you get maybe 100 people doing it and then like 20 or finish, right. something like that. Yeah. Huh. Uh, and I think the numbers, it's probably more like a few hundred start. Anyway. Yeah. But most of the people start in Georgia and go north. Um, I didn't because I had sc- I went after I graduated, and I didn't graduate until the end of April. Gotcha. So by that point, it was getting pretty late to be starting in the south, so I decided to start in the north yep. and do it that way. But anyways, yeah, so I'd hiked for the month, um, or pretty close to, and I had actually, I, I stopped in town um, at, a, at a hostel, went to a, a restaurant, and then... Um, by the time I headed back out into the woods, I started feeling a little bit, um, sick mm-hmm. or not even necessarily sick. I just kind of had, um, a headache for a couple days. And, um, prior to that, actually for a little bit, I think for a few days, I just had weird into like, it just felt like I had acid reflux or indigestion really bad. Mm-hmm. And then after that, the headache set in for a little while and I just figured it was, I don't know, something just wrote off. Yep. Um, cause I'll be fine. You know, no big deal. Whatever. Well, I mean, you're, you're, and you're, you're hiking. Headache's yeah, not a big deal. Right. You get, you eat weird food. You get acid reflux or indigestion, et cetera. I mean, you're eating a lot of protein and protein, fatty stuff will give you heartburn. Yeah. So it's not. And so, but it was, it was pretty constant and it was the first time I'd really ever had it, but still just kind of pushed it off. Figured maybe, I don't know if it didn't go away. I'd probably go to med center or something and see if they could figure anything out. Yep. 
Uh, oh, I did actually stop at a med center and I got tested for Lyme disease just in case. Okay. Maybe that was causing something weird. Yep. Um, and but, that was negative. I, actually, I did never call them back and I find out what the test result was. <laughs> 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 Thinking back on that, I ended up like, getting d- distracted doing other stuff and then um, everything else we'll talk about ended up happening and so i, I never did call them to figure out what what the t- I, so it, you so did it this? had to be negative because i did get tested later and didn't have it okay well uh, i can just imagine like we all get those phone calls like yeah. hey your car's extended warranty you're like hey you don't have lyme's disease right. but you never called back so, so I, I i had expected to hear from them at some point and i never got a call from them or an email or whatever and i did i never remembered to call them back and by the time i remembered it it was it didn't matter it was anymore, a moot point because i yeah. tested elsewhere and yeah i didn't have it yep um so yeah so i had this this headache and this indigestion and it was for i had the indigestion for probably at least a week because i remember going to at least one other hostel um and uh, just being very uncomfortable i couldn't i had a really hard time sleeping um in the bed and like we'd gone out to eat and i just wasn't hungry because it felt like i was super full and like couldn't fit more food in my stomach mm-hmm. uh, and it was just a little odd and it didn't really uh come to a head until I was hiking with a, a friend of mine who had met on trail it was a, I think he was like a 62 year old gentleman, ex army uh, officer. And uh, we were kind of hiking buddies and was hiking up a mountain with him in the rain. Um, he was a little ways behind me and just kind of talking to myself because you spend a lot of time alone. You end up talking to yourself. It's just inevitable. Sure. Yep. And even talking to myself, um, I could tell my speech was a little off. And so I, I waited up for him and he came up and uh, I said, hey, you know, does my voice sound funny to you? I feel like I'm slurring my speech. And we talked a little bit. He said, yeah, it, it, it does sound like that. And, you know, we were hiking in the rain and I didn't have anything on essentially except for my rain gear because you get really hot hiking in it. Sure. Um, so I didn't have like a shirt on underneath my raincoat. I think I had probably had pants on underneath my rain pants, but basically nothing and I was otherwise soaked. So we figured uh, the most likely cause at that point was hypothermia as it was early onset, I was starting to slur my speech from it. So I threw my hat on, threw a hood up and um, decided to continue hiking forward um, because I think it was, it was like one mile ahead and there was a staffed um, campground. Um, it was uh, the first campground in the White Mountains um, in Southern Maine. And the, the alternative was to hike five miles back down the trail, down the mountain, back to a parking lot where there may or may not have been people yet at that point because it was getting late in the day, um, and then try and hitch a ride in the, in the town or something. So I decided the, the better choice would be to head forward because the, the campground was staffed and they have radio. So if mm-hmm. we're going to run into any real problems, you know, they can call for help. Right. That'll be um, easier that way. And being staff they've already got um you know camp set up so i can get in and get dried off and that kind of stuff yep so you know put a warm hat on trudge the head forward got into camp and um found the caretaker and talked to her and uh you know said hey i think i've got hypothermia my speech is slurred can i come in your tent you know dry off warm up etc and get this taken care of and then um we'll go from there so yep you know sure thing she brought me in um Got some warm, dry clothes on, got my sleeping bag out, put gloves and a hat on, sat in my sleeping bag. And, um, and this, this was the, the crazy part of it. 
for about an hour after I got settled into my sleeping bag, uh, I went in and out of having um, any control of my body hmm. uh, for, it would last for probably 10 seconds, 10 or 20 seconds, where I couldn't do anything except for like sit back in the chair that I was doing, like go to move my legs, or my arms, or like, do anything. Wow. For that. That would have been scary. And then for, for about a minute or two, I'd be okay. And then it would hit again for 10 or 15 seconds. And then a minute or two, I'd be okay. Oh, man. And then, and I, I thought it was really weird. Uh, and I was not nearly concerned as I should have been. Um, came to find out later uh, how abnormal and odd that uh, this symptom was. And so, but I, I did think it was really weird. So I kept notes on my phone and I had a timer going and I would start and stop the timer every time it would happen. So I had this, this time log of it, of it happening. So it was almost exactly an hour. And after that hour, uh, I was like 85% better. I felt fine for the most part. My speech was a bit better. Um, and we said, all right, I'm probably okay. Uh, and so, um, the, the caretaker was actually really nice. She got me like a bowl of, uh, dates and bacon and stuff to make me feel better. Yeah. And then, uh, just pitch camp for the night, woke up the next morning and I was feeling probably about the same as I was like that 85% better than I was the, the night before. So I got my gear on and stuff and started, uh, hiking. And before I got out of camp, I noticed uh, a couple of things. Um, my fine motor skills were pretty rough. Um, I had a hard time doing minute tasks. Um, my balance was a little bit off. Okay. And um, in and out, probably, I don't know, at this point, I don't even remember what the timing was, but we'll say, you know, once every couple of minutes, my vision, um, I just wouldn't be able to focus on anything. Like it'd just be kind of blur blurry, probably huh. 15 seconds or something like that. And you um, still at this point haven't been like, something's not right. <laughs> I, I did think at that point that something wasn't right. Uh, I just didn't have the level of concern that I should have had. Right. Um, well, I mean, you had back. a mission, right? I had and a you're mission. Like, this could stop me from doing what I want to do. going to get me off trail shy of breaking my leg and physically not being able to continue doing this. Yeah. Wow. That's determination, man. That, that was kind of what's going in the back. I'm like, I can hike with a broken arm. I don't care. Yeah. Like, I'm going to finish this trail unless I physically can't walk. Yeah. Uh, so that was, that was my level of determination kind of driving, you know, behind this. So I set off um, on this section and was with, with my friend again. And uh, we had, oh, it was probably... I don't know, it had to be 27 miles, we'll just say. Okay. Left to do um, before we got into the next town. And then I figured at that point, I'll go to a med center, see what's going on, see if they can figure out what, what's up with this. And But you're feeling these issues as you're leaving camp. Yes. And you're like, ah, it's 27 more miles. What is that like a day? Uh, two days. That's two days. Yeah. I was going to say because... I, mean, I was pretty done after 12. Granted, you get conditioned for it, and I don't, but, yeah. you know. So, yeah. at, at that point in the trail, I was probably averaging 12 to 15 miles a day. So, the, the plan was to do, you know, that section in two days, and we were kind of pushing ahead a little bit because this was, this would have been the the 2nd of July, or the, the 1st of July, something like that, because our goal was to get into town um, on the, evening of the 3rd of July, and then take a, a zero day because you hike zero miles, a rest day yep. on the 4th of July and, and have the 4th of July celebration. 
So we were hiking ahead trying to get into this hostel. We had reservations for the night, um, for the third and the fourth, to have our zero day and relax. So we, we were trying to push to get to that and figured I'll just stop at the med center after we get there uh, and we'll, we'll still make it happen. And so conveniently, the next section of trail that we had to do after leaving that first camp in the White Mountains um, is the hardest section of the trail. Oh, man. Sheesh. So there, there's this one mile, and if I remember right, it's called the Mahusik Notch, and it's the hardest mile on the Appalachian Trail because it's essentially two mountains that come together at the base, and then they kind of crumbled. And so it's just a huge boulder field that you have to scramble through to try and like find the trail and go under these giant rocks and over oh, other ones. Wow. And so it's 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 a pretty crazy section of trail. It was really fun, um, but it also was not fun to do in my condition. Right. At the same time, it was it was weird to do, um, and it was still early enough in the year there was a lot of uh, snow runoff, so there was all like creeks and stuff running underneath the rocks, and you they get patches down there where there were you know still snow left over. Mm-hmm. And uh, it was it was a cool experience to go through it, um, but it was pretty weird, and at, at times difficult because my balance was so off. Um, I would I would run into periods of time where my legs would get um, stiff and tingly, like numb, like when they fall asleep on the couch or something. Right. Yeah. You know, and you can't really like feel them or control them. And so I'd I'd get sections where both my legs would do that at the same time for like. 30 or 60 seconds. Oh my and so goodness. like the only way I can keep walking is just having my trekking poles because then I've got four <laughs> legs, give or take, <laughs> to be able to, to balance and, and move forward. And uh, so so we got through that day and we didn't do as many miles as we planned. I think we did like eight or nine miles that day. Yeah. Uh, just because that section takes so long to do. And so the, the next day we had like 17 miles to do. We got into camp pretty late. Um, that campground was, or camp sp- it was a campground. It's just a bunch of tent spaces in the middle yep. of nowhere, and there's nobody there. Uh, it was super busy. It was it was really full, so we couldn't camp together, um, uh, my friend and I. And so he went off to camp in one spot. I went to camp in another spot. We said, all right, we're going to get up on time tomorrow morning. We're going to leave at 7 a.m. or whatever it was, mm-hmm. and we're just going to hike into town together. We'll get we'll get there, and we'll, we'll hike the whole thing together. And then at that point... Um, I decided to call my parents, tell them what was going on. And, and that's where it all changed. That's, that's, <laughs> that's where it all changed. And so are you dumb? <laughs> Basically, <laughs> you're like walking around with your paralyzed legs. Like they, they were, they were freaking out and about ready to, to come out and come get me. Right. Uh, take me to the hospital. Like, you or don't something. know where I am. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, one more day I'll be in the town. I'll go to a med center. It'll be fine. And they're like, no, you need to get, you need to hike out and go to the ER. Like as soon as possible. I was like, all right, all right. I'll go to the hospital. I'll check into the ER. We'll see what's going on. And I'll, I'll be fine. You know, I've yeah. made it this far. I can hike the other 17 right. miles we have left. Yeah. Um, and so they, they were, they were kind of freaking out. And I think at this point, um, it was like 11 or 12 o'clock at night. And, um, I mentioned my fine motor skills were super off and I had set up my phone before I left to where I could click the, the power button three times and send an SOS just in case there were any problems. Yeah. And on top of that, I had a, a GPS unit that I carried with me that also served as an emergency beacon if I needed it. Well, I hung up the phone with my mom and I went to turn my phone screen off, but my motor skills were so bad. I triple clicked my power button. Oh no. 
So as soon as I finished telling her about all this stuff and convincing her I didn't need to go to the ER then tonight she gets this or alert. call emergency services, she gets a hang up. She gets an SOS from me with, <laughs> it, it sends like a text message that says, you know, this person has sent out an SOS and it sends them a couple of um, like pictures from whatever the camera can see at that point and it sends them a little audio clip. Yeah. Um, and so she calls me right back, like freaking out, yeah. like, you don't even know what you're doing. You know, you don't know what, what's happening to you. You need to go to the hospital right now. I was like, all right, it, it, but so my motor skills was fine. I just tried to turn my phone off. It sent the emergency, you know, signal. It wasn't supposed to, I'll be okay. I'll go tomorrow. You weren't it's, convincing nothing anybody. Has changed. Yeah. She, she was not having us. Eventually convinced her and hung up the phone. Well, it found out shortly thereafter that, uh, my wife at the time, girlfriend, mm-hmm. um, her, her poor self, uh, she was working at a youth camp in northern Michigan at that time and had really poor cell service. And so I hadn't talked to her um, that evening. And so she didn't get anything except for the SOS and then oh, didn't have no. service. So she couldn't call anybody else to find out what's going on. Oh, no. So, so she w- just gets enough service to get the SOS text from me and then can't get a hold of anybody else. So she was like, freaking out and in tears because um, she just got this SOS and she can't get a hold of anybody. So eventually, I don't know if she got a hold of me um, or my mom and, you know, we talked about it and calmed her down, but I felt really bad for her. Yeah. For that. Cause that, that moment, I mean, yeah, and it's, and like you can't, it's like nowhere can you go to get the reception, to make the call, to figure it out. And, oh man, yeah, that would be a tough spot. It was, it, I felt really bad for her. Um, and she still talks about that. She so, hangs it over your head, I bet. Remember that one time you <laughs> SOS'd <Yeah>. me? <laughs> and so by this time, I think it was one o'clock by the time I got to bed that night. Uh, and I'm super tired from, you know, the hike from the day. And so I set my alarm, went to bed. I didn't wake up till like 11 a.m. Hmm. And I was planning on leaving uh, at like 6 or 7 a.m. with my friend. And he couldn't find me. And so he thought I left ahead of him. And so he took off in the morning. So I... Didn't leave until, I don't know, probably 11.30 by the time we packed up camp and I was by myself. Uh, so thankfully, one of my other friends had been behind. He caught up and I hiked probably half the day with him. And then um, I was hiking fast enough. I caught up with my other friend. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was surprised that I was behind him yet. Yeah. Like, oh, I thought you were in town already. <laughs> nope. You just hanging out back at camp sleeping. Didn't yeah. know. Uh, yeah. So anyways, hiked into the, the hostel and uh, going through my head as I'm about to do this is I'm going to go to the hostel, check in, drop off my gear, um, and then uh, have them take me to the hospital. But I'm pretty certain when I get to the hospital, they're going to stick me in a bed and I'm not going to be able to move. And they're going to want me to stay there. And I'm not going to get a shower or any of this kind of stuff. So the first thing I did when I checked in um, got my room, went up, dropped my bags, took a shower, got cleaned up, mm-hmm. was hungry. Um, and I didn't really have anything at that point, much left in my bag cause it was the end of the hike. And so sure. I went back down to the kitchen and they had a, you know, a freezer with food for sale. So I grabbed an ice cream and you know, yeah, why not that. eat ice cream? Yeah. It sounded really good. <laughs> yeah. you know, I've been hiking for a week. What yeah. am I getting? <laughs> yeah. Ice yeah. cream's great. Yeah. So I'm eating this ice cream and um, I walk over to the proprietor of the hostel and I'm like, hey, can one of you guys drive me to the hospital? You know, I, I need to go check in. And it was about nine o'clock at night, I think, something like that. And he just goes, it's like nine o'clock at night. You know, obviously you're, he didn't say, but obviously I'm standing there, you know, talking to him. Can we just like take you tomorrow? 
And at, I'm like, well, I don't normally talk like this. And at this point, um, my speech was so um, slurred. It sounded like I was really drunk or had a really bad speech impediment. Right. And so I was like, I don't actually have a speech impediment. I don't normally talk like this. I need to go to the hospital. And they're like, oh, yeah, that sounds really bad. We just thought you had a speech impediment. Didn't want to say anything. We'll take you yeah. right now. Yeah. So they, they uh, took me over to the, the hospital and checked into the ER. They put me in a room. Um, and like I thought, didn't get to leave the bed for the next day. Right. And so I was really glad that I got that shower in. Yeah, I'm sure. And then, uh, so they did, you know, a bunch of blood draws and this is the night of the 3rd of July. So half the staff at the hospital is off on vacation for the 4th of July. And so there's, you know, one doctor on staff and, um, nothing, you know, comes back from any of the blood tests that they were doing. Um, and so he couldn't figure out what was going on. And at this point, my condition was relatively stable, but not, um, not worsening, but not really getting better either. And so he's right. still pretty concerned at this point. And so just a lot going through my head that, you know, he thought in his early, um, diagnosis that maybe it had something to do with the altitudes of going up and down. Mm. Um, and that, you know, maybe I wouldn't be able to finish the rest of the trail. And so like, I'm freaking out that whatever this is, is going to stop me from finishing the hike. And then, um, I don't know if it was super late. I think it was super late that night that uh, he came back in the room and told me that um, they weren't equipped well enough to handle what I had going on there. And they were going to have to send me down to Boston to Massachusetts General Hospital. Mm. And so the next morning, they were going to have an ambulance. Was come. that close by or? No, that's like a 10 hour drive away. Wow. Okay. By ambulance. That's, and that's, they, so they drove long. you. Yes. Yeah. So they picked wow. me up early the next morning, um, an ambulance. So hold on. A gurney in the hold bag. on. I got to stop you here a second. So like when they tell you that, what is the first thing that goes through your mind? Uh, like what's wrong with me? Like what? Just yeah, right. I mean, bewilderment. I have no idea what's going on. Whatever this is, is, is really weird. Um, but through the whole thing, I just had, I don't know, this piece about me that, you know, what, whatever it is, other than the fact that, um, I was really upset that I might not be able to get to finish the trail. Right. Um, and very, just very sad about that part. Mm -hmm. Um, and kind of a little heartbroken about that. But other than that, um, just kind of at peace that, yeah, you know, whatever, whatever happens, God's got me. Right. And if something's going to happen, it's going to happen. And if it's not, it's not. And there's nothing I can do about it. Right. And so I honestly had a lot of peace about it. I wasn't, um, really like freaking out about it at all. Um, just really sad that I might not be able to get a finish the trail. Right. And, um, so yeah, they picked me up early the next morning in the ambulance and I got in and it was a, a really nice, um, gentleman and a lady that, you know, younger, not a lot older than I was. And I said, Hey, you know, I've been talking to my parents, you know, they live in Michigan. It's an 18 hour drive for them to get from there to here. And they're going to have to come here, pick up all my gear from the hospital hostel and then drive down to Boston after that. Um, can we like swing by the hostel and pick up my backpack and stuff? And they're like, right. oh yeah, sure, no problem. Well, like, oh, sweet. Saves them so yeah, I conv yeah. convinced the uh, the ambulance drivers to um, go to the hostel and uh, let me pick up my stuff. So we drove there. I got out of the back and you know yeah. went, got all my gear and stuff. Talked to my friends that were there. Uh, and so that was a, a really unexpected experience to yeah. to have them be make that pit stop and be able to do that. And so then I got to call my parents and tell them I didn't have to, you know, come up here first to get all my gear. Right. And then, yeah, I went down to Massachusetts General Hospital on the 4th of July. And, 
yeah, spent the 4th of July and the, the rest of the week just in a hospital bed for the most part. Um, cause I couldn't really walk on my own right without trekking poles. Um, just like, cause your legs were still doing that numb thing, but were yeah, they my balance, worse my balance was so often it, it was um, so bad. I, I couldn't do more than hobble without them. Wow. Yeah. But walk on assisted. And, it, and it the crazy, crazy thing is that you hiked so many miles like that too. Yeah, like 30 miles. <laughs> That's insane, man. Like I'm just telling you, like, again, I, I think back to the 12 miles I did and I was exhausted at the end of it. Yeah. Like to hobble through that, like my feet hurt, but well, yeah, but everything else, I mean, <laughs> nothing was working, you know, it, it, not, nothing was working the way it was supposed to. Yeah. My, my vision was occasionally off. My speech sounded like I was drunk or mm-hmm. had a really bad speech impediment. Uh, my balance was very poor. Um, my legs would, yeah, I, I always described it. Like I felt like they had like cerebral palsy, you know, where they wouldn't really sure. do what you want them to. And they were quite stiff and tingly. Um, I find motor control was was really poor. Uh, the weirdest and the 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 most annoying part, honestly, was my uh, lack of vocabulary. Hmm. And like that's the most surprising thing. Like you wouldn't think about it, but whatever it was with that, um, put enough pressure on my brain or change the composition or whatever, I could not use more than very basic words to talk. Hmm. That was the weirdest and the hardest thing about it. Um, so I just had to think of very easy to use sentences using super basic English to try and convey what I was talking about because I yeah. couldn't use um, like a normal speech pattern. I yeah. couldn't talk normally. It was weird. And that, that that was one of the craziest things because like in high school, I was kind of a nerd and would play games with my friends um, just using a thesaurus. So like we'd we'd all like pick a so random word, a lot of words, a word out of yeah. the thesaurus, and everybody um, would have to like make up a de- definition of it, and then you'd have to like go through and pick which was the correct definition, kind of thing. Yeah. So I used to play word games like that. Yeah, so I knew a lot of random words, and one of my um, I don't know, hobbies or pastimes or whatever. What I just really like to know what specific words were for a certain situation. So there's yeah. a lot of words in the English vocabulary that don't get used right. that mean very specific things in certain situations. And I really appreciated the nuances of that. Yeah. So I knew a lot of random words like that. So it was really, really hard um, to not be able to use anything but super basic speech in, right. in like really basic Because speech. you just can't find it, right? Like You, 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 you know it, but you know but like you can't. I know there's something. I had to intentionally dumb down what I was trying to say or communicate across without like I knew I was having to dumb it down, but I didn't know what I was dumbing it down from. Right. It was really weird. uh, That was the craziest thing. So they get you down to Boston. Now what? Yeah. So, so they checked me in and I had a whole slew of um, doctors from the neurology department and from the infectious diseases um, trying to figure out what's going on. So you're a lab rat at this point. I was, I, I, I think there was like six or eight doctors around me at various times, like different doctors. It was, it was crazy. And I remember spending a lot of time just sitting in ER until they kind of figured out that I didn't have some sort of infectious disease that I could give to everybody else in the hospital. And then, um, yeah, they did. They did a lot of blood draws. They did um, some MRIs, like CAT scans. Um, they did at one point. They did a spinal tap, like everything they could think of. Um, and they spent about four days trying to figure out what was going on. And by the the end of the fourth day, 
my symptoms were starting to get better and they still hadn't figured it out. Um, and eventually it got to the point where they, um, couldn't figure out what was going on. Like when, when I first checked in, they started treating me right away for, I think, malaria and Lyme disease because mm-hmm. those are two options that can cause um, swelling of the brain, which they figured out is what I had in my okay. brain. brain. So there was swelled. something going on with the brain. Yep. Yep. Which it, makes sense because that triggers everything else correct. in that's, your body. That's yep. your central control center, and which is kind of what I figured what, what was going on thinking about it, and I thought maybe I had malaria or something like that because based on the symptoms that were exhibiting, it was my whole body. It was everything. I couldn't talk well. I figured it had to be brain swelling or something like that. And it yep. turned out that's what it was. Um, and so they, they started treating me for malaria and for Lyme's disease. And then eventually they just stopped um, giving medication for that once they, after they ruled it out, just like so you get ahead of it. And yeah, after the, the four days, they couldn't figure out um, what it was. Then they uh, like sent my samples off to some labs to do research on. And yeah, I just like signed some paperwork for waiver for research, um, becoming a lab rat. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and then uh, essentially at the end of it, they said, we, we don't know um, what's going on. Our best working theory is at um, the point where everything started, um, probably shortly after I was in that town, is I picked up some sort of um, infection or disease or something that my immune system fought off. And then... Um, for whatever reason, turned on my brain and attacked my brain. Huh. So, so they think that the, the swelling was caused um, by some sort of um, internal immune attack of like my body turning on itself. Wow. Um, but it, by the end of the week, I was starting to uh, recover and get better. And um, they said, uh, basically just go home. You're in recovery. There's nothing else we can do for you because we don't know what's happening other than we know you're getting better and you'll get better eventually, maybe, you know, a week, maybe a month, maybe a year. We, we don't really know, but right. there's nothing else we can do for you. So go home. Yep. So they sent me home. Um, I spent, uh, I think the next day touring Boston with my parents who had come down to be with me. I think they came down, um, I think either the, the same day or the next day after I got to Boston mm-hmm. and stayed at the hospital with me. Um, so they, they took me home and then for the next month, well, three weeks. It took me about three weeks until I could walk again on my own normally. Hmm. Um, I think it was about a week until I could walk without um, support or assistance. And then a couple of weeks after that, till I was walking pretty slower, but normal. Yep. And at that point, um, I got the clear from my doctor that I could go back to the trail. Okay. Because uh, I said, I, hey, I can walk again. I don't need to be able to talk. I can go to the, I can go hike. Yeah. And I was, I was ready to go back again. And, uh, my grandma was not happy about that. She, she thought I needed to stay home and, and recover more. So, uh, after I got the okay from my doctor, uh, you know, I talked to her about it and she actually took me for a hike to make sure I could hike well enough okay. uh, before I could go back to the trail. Um, where she, and you were good. She happy with that. So yeah, we, we went on a little hike together and, you know, talked the whole time and I was hiking fine enough that, uh, yep, she was okay with me going again. So okay. I went back to the trail. Um, and I think... Uh, I got back like August 6th. So it was almost exactly uh, one month that I was off trail um, from July 4th to August 6th. And then uh, my mom and uh, my girlfriend, now wife, came back with me. Uh, we did some sightseeing on the way out there, like uh, drove up Mount Washington and sure. went to see some waterfalls and that kind of stuff. Yep. Cool things for them. 
they dropped me back off um, at the same hostel that I was at. And, um, oh yeah, I found my shoes. So super random. I had left my shoes at the <laughs> hostel when I went to the hospital. Cause I put on my camp, like I had yeah. Crocs on my backpack. Cause you get really sick of wearing the same shoes. You're right. hiking all day. You, well, get Crocs, you air your feet out. You want to air your yeah. feet out. They can breathe. So I wore my Crocs to the hospital, left my hiking shoes at the hostel, got back to the hostel a month later and they were still there. <laughs> That's funny. They're like, we ain't touching so them. That, all right. So we're not going to country mouth. They, those they just have like this shoe rack where everybody puts their shoes. And I guess nobody had noticed that they were sitting there for that long. They had like little spider webs on them. That's funny. And so, yeah. That was, that was the funniest thing. I got back and my shoes were still there. Um, so I, I sent my shoes back home to my family because I bought new ones at that point. Right. Because yeah. I needed something to hike and I realized I'd left them. Um, so yeah, they, they dropped me back off and it, it took me a little while to get back in the swing of things. I lost, you know, some of the, the fitness that I'd had and right. the, the endurance. Yep. Um, but the nice thing about it is I gave my feet a month break. Right. And so for the first month, like your feet get really, really sore hiking on them. And a lot of people end up with like permanent foot problems. Uh, oh. Just because they they I can believe beat it, them so hard, uh, and not, a lot of people also will their feet will flatten out some, so like go up a half a shoe size or a shoe size or something like that. Right. And so I think the month off really helped me because after after that month off, and it was maybe you know a week or two break in period, yep. my feet were pretty much fine the rest of the trail. Gotcha. So that that was really good. I think that was a big contributor that I let them. I beat them up really bad and then let them heal. Yep. And then went back again. And then at that, really that point, they were stronger and could so, handle it, yeah, probably. Yeah, I think that was really good. And so, honestly, the the next section of trail was probably the hardest um, for me because I was so lonely. Right. Because um, your other friends are, they're a month down now. Yep, they're... exactly. And so, by, by the point of getting off the trail, I'd met up with so many people, and you kind of make a trail family. Yep. And you get pretty close with your friends and, you know, you're seeing them every day or every other day, something like that, depending on your hiking cadence with them. And then, yeah, by the time I came back to the trail, everybody was a month ahead of me. You know? And so I was all by myself mm-hmm. and didn't know anybody. And at this point, a lot of the, they call it the bubble, where the majority of people are hiking, um, was shifted ahead of me. I was at the back of the bubble. Uh, so there wasn't nearly as many people on or around the trail. Uh going the same direction as I was as opposed to when I started, there was tons of people, mm-hmm. you know, you have 10 or 15 people in camp every night, you know, right. a lot of them are new and same. By the time I finished, um, my month off and came back, you know, it was down to, you know, one to six people a night or something like that, give or take. Right. And, and it was not all the different people, people and they're not, not all of them are through hikers. Some of them are just hiking temporarily or their pace is way different or you just don't get along well with them. Yep. Um, and so the, the, the pool to find friends is much, mm-hmm. much smaller. And so I really struggled with loneliness for the next month until um, I met up with some new people and made friends. And that was the hardest part of the trail. And um, other than... Um, the the medical stuff forcing me off the trail was the only time on the trail where I ever considered quitting. Right. Um, and e- even then, obviously I didn't and right. I wouldn't have quit. Um, but it, it was definitely something that I thought about because it was, it was so lonely and, right. and pretty terrible. Yeah. So th- okay. that was the hardest part of the trail, not the whole going through the the hospital thing it was the the loneliness after coming back and being by myself how long total after you started back again until you finished 
Uh, about four and a half months. Okay. Yep. So I it, the whole ordeal all together was about six and a half months and then a month off. So about five and a half months of actual hiking. Okay. It took me from start to finish. Wow. That's crazy. So now a I long feel, time. So you, in, in a short amount of time, you have made me realize how boring of a life I have. <laughs> <laughs> I mean... I don't go anywhere. I've, you know, born and raised in Hudsonville. I haven't lived anywhere else. And you've yeah. literally lived for five and a half months on a trail. Oh, it, it was so fun. And I would, I would do it again in a heartbeat. Um, I would, would your wife go with you right now? She actually, she probably would. We've talked about doing, there's three main long trails in the United States. There's the Appalachian trail. There's mm-hmm. the continental divide trail, which runs up to continental divide. And there's the Pacific Crest Trail, which is out west and goes through the Rockies. And we've actually talked about um, at some point in our lives doing one of the other trails together. Or potentially I would do the Appalachian Trail again and I would like to do it um, northbound. Gotcha. Go the other Just do direction. it in the other direction. Yeah. Uh, but there's so oh. much else to see. I would love to do the other the other ones also. So the, the odds of doing the Appalachian Trail again are, are kind of probably lower than if I were to switch and do like the Pacific Crest Trail. Right. Do the next one. Well, and you think about like in life, the timing of when you have available to do this, right? I mean, so it's, you did it right after you graduated high school. It's a big block of time. Well, say that again. It's a big block of time. You have to carve out oh, to be able to do yeah. that. Yeah. I was going to say, I'm like, I don't feel like you have a big block of time necessarily in life where it makes sense to do it. Right. Because when you get out of high school, you can... You don't have to jump straight into a career. Mm-hmm. If you want to go to college, great. But like, you don't have a whole lot of expenses. So yeah. going for five and a half months and living off of that is probably not too hard to do. Yeah. But if you, you know, like at my point, you know, I can't, you're not working. Well, now I have a mortgage. I've got kids and right. a wife and... There's a lot of other distractions yeah, and so expenses. And- the, uh, right. The other, the only other time would be later on in life, but then... Now you're, you're older and can your body handle it? Right. I'm, I can tell you right now, I wake up at the I'm, I'm 32. I wake up feeling like the guy that's 62 is way better shape than yeah. me. Yeah. There's, there's a, a definite, um, skewing towards the hikers being younger, either fresh out of high school or more popular, fresh out of college or in college mm-hmm. and, um, older people who are retirement age and beyond. Yeah. You know, and so. you can do it in less time. If you're hiking more miles, you can do it in four months. Um, there's guys that do it in, you know, one to three months that are trail runners and they'll run the whole thing. Yeah. That sounds, time, which is sounds it's, terrible. And it's, it it's sounded awful to start with not hiking experience. And then experience. that made it sound even worse. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I just, I think the record is something, um, closer to like a month or two months. I don't remember. Wow. Really? They could do the whole Appalachian trail in a month. Yeah. I, I'll, I'll look it up. Yeah, Google that. All right. Uh, 2011 uh, was completed in 46 days, 11 hours, and 20 minutes. So wow. just under two months, a month and a half. Wow. So do me a fit. And do, that's the record. So doing it so very quickly 46, is But that's 2,185 miles. Divide that by 46. Um, yep, 2,100, probably 190 because it was, that's what it is, um, roughly divided by six and a half. 190, what are you talking about? Oh, 2,190. Yeah, 2,100, it was 89.5 when I did it. Gotcha. Now, now yeah. they say it's 2,190 or 2,200 plus or minus. Okay. Divide um, that by however many days. Oh, by 45. That's, by 45 would be 48 miles a day. 
48 miles a day. Yeah. I don't even drive that many in it's, a day. It's insane. Wow. Those guys and the guys that are doing that are doing it for a speed record. They've got a support team that is on the takes trail, their gear right? um, from one end to the other. They've got like a support car that comes around. So they're not carrying their own stuff. Like people, they'll carry, I think, probably to, um, they've, they've got to carry some basics. Like they got to carry their own camp stuff and that kind of thing. Um, okay. But they can get food like at drops and stuff from the support team. Gotcha. Wow. So and my, my goal was to complete it, not to do it fast. Yeah. I wanted to enjoy every bit of it that I could and see all the things and do all the things. So I didn't set an end goal. Um, for as far as a date, I just figure I'll finish when I finish. Yeah. And I did it in five and a half. So what's that moment like when you actually, like when you get to the very end of the trail, like, is it like a big hurrah or is it just like, well, <laughs> that's it. <laughs> so I finished the trail with, mm, I think three other friends of ours, okay. three, three friends of mine. So it was four of us that finished together. Oh, um, so you had like people from home? No, no, uh, friends that I met friends on the trail. From the trail. Yeah, trail okay. family. Hiked the last bit of trail together up to okay. the, the finish line. And then my my parents met us there. And I think um, one of the girls I was hiking with, her dad met her there. Okay. And so they came with us and like we brought, you know, little champagne bottles and had a okay. little party at the top. Gotcha. Um, for a little celebration. And then at the at the the end of the trail on the south side, it finishes on a mountain called Springer Mountain. Mm-hmm. And that's that's the official end of the trail is at the peak of the mountain. And then there's a road that goes up there and there's a, a 10 mile, they call it approach trail from there down to Amaclova Falls. So even Lodge. when you're done, you're not done. <laughs> Unless you car. <laughs> and so every, everybody that, that I'd hiked, finished with at that point decided that they were done at the peak and yeah. they were rolled back with the parents and stuff. And so I wanted to do the approach trail to, to finish it off. Some people consider it part of the trail. Some don't. It's a, the saying on the trail is hike your own hike. Just yeah. Do what you want. You're, you're, yep. your, you're your own moderator. Um, but I wanted to do it and have that as part of it for the completion. So I actually um, jogged that section. Oh, my goodness. And so I got back to um, the lodge about the same time that they got back with the car for that, like, 10-mile section drive. That's crazy. And so that, that, that was the cool feeling. Um, to be done with that, to me, was being done with the whole trail because I'd finished all of it that there was to do right end to yep. end and at the end of all of that is a crazy mixture of emotion between um happiness for everything that you've done and got to see and experience and um depression and not having that anymore it's, right. it's a big loss at the at the very end because this thing you've spent every waking moment on for the last six months um like that is your whole life is is over with you know it's it's accomplished um which is an amazing feeling but at the same time it's a big sadness because you're not with um that those friends and family anymore that Mm -hmm. you know the family you've made on the trail um you're not in that same routine that you've been in um for the last six months and it becomes very ingrained after that right. much time doing it every day. So it, it took a little while to um, settle back down emotionally and get back into the rhythm of, of being home and living a, a normal life again, as opposed to, um, you know, you, you get up and your, your whole purpose in your day is just to, to walk and to see what's next on the trail and to 
accomplish a very visible and very attainable goal of making the number of miles to get to the next, you know, campsite and right. see the sites and things, um, to a very differently structured life with, um, very different goals or when you first get back, no goals, right? You know, you go yeah. from having a single driving purpose in life and pushing everything you have towards that to accomplish it. Um, and to finish this race, which not a yourself. lot of people do like you're, you're one of very <clears throat> few people that actually do that. Yeah. I mean, I, I know you say it's like 200 or something that finished, but like, I don't know if you know, but like, there's, there's like millions of people in America. So that's a pretty, <laughs> yeah, that's pretty small. small. And yeah, you run into stuff like there's a section in New York where you hike through an old zoo that's still operational. It's like, that, that surprised me. I didn't realize. Did you have to pay thing. to get through that part of the. Nope. It's free. Okay. So it's, it's a free zoo and it was probably made was in like, like that. the sixties <laughs> or something like that, but okay. it's still operational. And for probably the first three quarters of the trail, that was the only bear that I saw. Oh, really? In that zoo. And you're probably like, I'm fine with like, that. That's, you yeah. know, that's okay. And then... Did you carry? Nope, I did not. Really? Yep. No, so the most... Are you not allowed to or... There are huge sections of the trail where you're not allowed to. See, that that surprises me so because... So through states like New York, like unless you have a, a pistol license in New York, um, you just can't possess a pistol in New York. Right. Um, period. And so there's, there's large sections true. like that. Plus throughout the trail, you go through a lot of, um, national park sections. And so you end up in, um, federal buildings as a result of that. You can't carry mm-hmm. in federal buildings. Right. And um, it's not like you can just, you don't have a car to leave it in. So correct. It's yeah, in your backpack. Yeah. You can't really leave that outside by itself. So right. technically you wouldn't be able to go into an outhouse in a national park. Right. Cause it's officially a federal building. Right. So there's things like that, but there's, there's quite a few states in the New England area that have similar laws to New York that are very, um, restricted as far as carrying. Yeah. So that wasn't a thing. And on top of that, the trail is pretty safe. Um, I think there's maybe in, in the news, there's been a couple murders on the trail, you know, in the last decade, but the, the number of people on the trail versus the number of people that, um, get hurt or assaulted is super skewed to being very safe. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I felt safe the whole time. <laughs> Just only a couple of murders on the trail. That's <laughs> I mean, compared Careful to who you okay, friend yourself. How many murders yeah. are in, you know, whatever. Chicago. Yeah. Chicago <laughs> every day. Yeah. Or Grand Rapids. Right. Or, you know, right. Hudsonville, Jenison, Highland, whatever. You know, that there's a lot of more of that kind of thing that happens in town close to us than yeah. what can be on the trail. Good stuff. All right. Well, I think I'll wrap it with that so hey thank you so much if you're still listening to this we appreciate your support um be sure to continue to tune in as we'll have more uh guests on the show talking about what their day one i'm sorry what their one day or day one is um and i have to say this was this was a good one um you've got something coming up and you've had a great experience so again thank you so much for tuning in can't wait to have the next one see ya